But I have a question that I want to ask you this morning. Have you ever been wronged? Or have you ever wronged someone? In the earlier service, I had a spouse point to the other spouse and say, <laughs> she can answer that. <laughs> um, but you know, when I was in college, um, I um, was working only part-time, full-time college student, and uh, one of my brothers, I'm not going to mention which one, I have four of them, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to protect them as much as possible, but their lives will forever be an illustration in sermons, because this is what I do. Um, but one of them asked me if he could borrow $500. And see, um, that amount of money for me at that time was a lot of money. And I had worked all summer long, full time, to save, because I knew college was coming and I wasn't going to be able to... Um, work as much. So I had saved. I worked hard. I had saved. And see, my brother wanted to buy his very first car, which uh, he wanted to be a Volkswagen Jetta. But he didn't have enough for the down payment. So he asked if I would help him. And I was like, man, carnal, bro. Like, I, I want to, but like, I just, like, that's a lot of money. And he asked, and because of familia and pressure, I, I said yes. And uh, weeks, months, over a year went by, and he failed to pay me back. And, um, I, you know, I, I felt so wronged by him. I did. And, um, it, you know, I just felt like, bro, like, you, you lied to me. And it wasn't so much the money, like, okay, whatever, the money, um, I'll work again, I'll save some more, but, like, I was upset that he couldn't come through. And he probably had every intention to pay me back, but he just couldn't. You know, he couldn't. And so um, I, I held on to that. I held on to that, and I forever recorded it. In um, That wrong was, was recorded in the relational bank of our, um, of our, our, our relationship, and I just, I just I wouldn't forget for a very long time. And I wouldn't let him forget either. And for some of us, you know, it's something small, like a loan that didn't get paid. Or for others, it's something um, that's hard. Because the wrong that you experienced has left you in some or a lot of pain. Um, maybe it's left you unsure that you'd be able to forgive that person. Maybe a person's wrongs left you grieving the loss of someone or the loss of your innocence. The reality is that most of us know someone we wish God would deal with, <laughs> right? You laugh because you know it's true. And see, when someone wrongs you, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but I am tempted to get even. And um, but when I'm the one that commits the wrong against someone, instead of getting even what I really want is a second chance, like mercy. I don't know if when you were a kid that you ever played that game where you're both like going against someone else and you're like trying to like bend someone's fingers. You guys remember that game? No, you never played it, you do. And it gets to the point where it's so painful, you're crying out, mercy, mercy, right? Like that's what I want. 
When, someone, when I hurt someone else, when I mess up and, and it affects someone, what I want is mercy. What I want is another chance. See, it is easier to receive mercy than it is to give it to others. And when we mess up, we want all the mercy we can take. Right? When I mess up, I want all the mercy I can take. And Jonah's wrong in the story that Carlos started with us last week. This prophet guy who God spoke to, his wrong brought a mighty storm upon the sailors that he was traveling with. And um, it, it, to recap what Carlos shared last week, he, God spoke to him, Right? And he was God's spokesman. That was what he did for a living. He spoke on behalf of God. So God says, okay, I have something for you to say to these people. So go to this city. And God says, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, no. He runs the other way, right? The opposite direction. And this runaway brings about a storm on the sailors. So the sailors are like, dude, we don't want to die. What can we do? And he's like, throw me overboard. They try to do everything but that. But we know that when we try to figure it out on our own, it just gets worse, right? So what happens? And he throws, they throw Jonah overboard, and um, God sends a fish on assignment, because if Jonah won't fulfill his assignment, God will use other things to fulfill his assignment. So he goes, the fish comes, swallows him up, in three days and three nights, Jonah prayed, and God heard and delivered him into dry land. It's a pretty wild story. But today, we pick up on chapter 3 of Jonah, because we're completely skipping chapter 2. So there you go. And it says this in verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. And I love that it says that. I love that God speaks to Jonah again. And I think that this story not only reveals so much about Jonah, but it reveals a lot about God, about who God is. And God is saying this, look, I've not changed my mind about you, Jonah. I've not changed my mind about you. I still want you. I still need you to live out your purpose. And see, God is still speaking to Jonah, and his word is still directed at Jonah, and he is willing to instruct this runaway. And what God asked Jonah to do, it challenged him. And, we, and when we find um, a bit more in the story today why that is, but see, the first time that God spoke, we know, we just heard it, he ran, and he was running from God, and he was running to Tarshish. He was running to escape. So the questions that we must ponder as we continue with this story is, what are you running from, or what do you run from? And what are you running to? What do you run to? Because if it's not Jesus, we know it's not going to end well. And because the reality is that we all try to escape something. Every single one of us, we try to escape something. You're running might look like constantly cleaning and reorganizing your home. Maybe it looks like you're endlessly busy. Your schedule can't fit one more thing. Maybe what started off as one glass of wine has become one too many. 
Maybe you're running, has been binging that show for too many nights in a row. Maybe it's gaming. Nobody confessed to gaming at the 8 o'clock. <laughs> Maybe it's gambling. Maybe it's always serving. Maybe it's just finding a new hobby every single time. Maybe it's working too much. And see, those things are good. But if we're using them to run to them or to run from God, that's not necessarily where we need to be. See, and I want you to know this, that in all your running and attempt to escape, this is what I want you to remember, that God doesn't run away from runaways. And thank you, Carrie Newhoff, for that clever wording. That was all him, but I'm stealing it. God doesn't run away from runaways. And as Cardinals mentioned last week, God pursues, he rescues, he is a God of second chances, not only for me, but for the people that I want to avoid. The people that I want to run from. See, a better way of saying it is that God is a God of mercy and grace, not only for me, but for the people that I resent. For the people that I wish God would deal with. See, in the word that God spoke to Jonah, it exposed the resentment that was in his heart. And there were issues in his heart. And as Jodas Smith, Smith says, his issues had issues. There were a lot of issues going on. And see, there was resentment. There was hatred. There was dislike that was deeply rooted towards a people that had hurt his people. And no matter how much Jonah ran from or where he ran to, he could not outrun his heart. And we find out that he could not outrun God either. Right? God sent the storm and God sent the fish. And inside of that fish, Jonah cried out to God, the one he was running from. Verse 2 continues to says that God tells them, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. We don't know how much time has passed from the big fish spitting him out to this verse. Um, some commentators believe that Jonah went um, to offer sacrifices to Jerusalem first because of what verse 9 of chapter 2 says. It says that um, he says, I will offer you sacrifices and I will fulfill my vows. So some people think that it was um, in the midst of that or after that, that that God spoke again. But maybe, we don't know, maybe it was at the beach when he was stinking like day old tuna Right? I don't even want to know what it smells like inside a fish. But anyway, um, I love sushi, but the smell gets to me sometimes. But anyway, moving on. God, God spoke to him a second time. Right there. And what we know in the text is that it says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. And my deduction is that if he is told to get up and go, it's because he is not going, right? It reminds me of my mom when I was a teen. I was in my teens. We would have this continual exchange. 
she would say, Ilsian, lavame las verduras, right? Ilsian, wash the produce. And I, and I would respond, okay, ahorita, like, okay, yeah, right now. And then I would continue to read or chat back when AOL chat was the thing. And she would say, pero ahorita, like right now, right now, not later, later. And so I know, like, oh, get up and go, right? Um, well, I think that's what God is telling Jonah. God is saying, like, right now, like, get up and go. Vamos, andale. And so the, the instructions, I want to point out your attention to the instructions that he gives him and the adjective that God chooses to describe Nineveh by, and it's the great city. See, and it's not just referring to its size, but in Hebrew, this meant that this was a great city to God, that it was important to God. And so I love that God puts that in there and that Jonah has to hear it. So let us give you a little bit backstory of what Nineveh, the city of Nineveh was. We read in chapter one that the people that lived there were wicked, right? Chapter one says that the wickedness had reached God. Their evilness had finally come to to the attention of God. That's how wicked they were being. And then um, some records show that the cruelty that they carried out was horrific. They were violent people. There was forced incest. They burned children alive. It was really bad. Some say it was like modern-day ISIS. That's how violent and cruel these people were. They were merciless, and they had been bad towards Jonah's people. They had harassed and they had plundered Israel. And God tells Jonah, go to these people. Do you understand now why he ran? He was going to have to confront some of the people that have cost him a lot of pain. He didn't want to give them the message on God's behalf. He did not want God to show mercy towards them. And in the New Testament, we find a similar story of God speaking to a person named Ananias, and he tells them, Ananias, go to Saul. And Saul was a man who was considered an enemy of the people of the way or Jesus' followers, right? Because he had done some pretty terrible things. He had persecuted believers. And Ananias' response was the same response I would have had if God would have told me to do something like that. He said, but Lord, right, I would answer the same way, like, uh, excuse me, Jesus, excuse me, um, the one that uh, held the coats while people stoned Stephen to death? That's the guy that you're wanting me to go to and pray for? How dare you? You know, like, I, I just, he said, but Lord, there was this wrestling, like, you want me to go to that person, right? See, God's word challenges our comfort, and it confronts our heart about what we believe about ourselves and others. 
The author of Hebrew reminds us that the word of God is alive and it is powerful, that it is sharper than any, um, than the sharpest two-edged sword, that it's cutting between the soul and the spirit, that it cuts between the joint and the marrow, that it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So imagine God sending you to the ones that have wronged you, to the ones that have hurt you or the ones that have hurt your friends or your relatives for the parents. Imagine God sending you to someone that has hurt your child. It's a whole different ballpark, right? Mama bear comes out and your child is hurt. But imagine God sending you to those people See, and God steps into the city full of wickedness and violence through this prophet Jonah. And I was asking myself, like, like, why would God do that? And I think it's because God saw them. God saw the people of Nineveh beyond their wickedness. He saw them beyond their behavior. And in verse 11, chapter 4, it says that God says Nineveh has more than 120,000 people that don't know their right hand from their left hand, which meant they are spiritually blind They are living in spiritual darkness, and God's heart is for people, for all people, people we would want nothing to do with, people like our exes or people that have mistreated us, wronged us, people whose lifestyle we completely disagree with, people like the sailors on the boat who to Jonah were Gentiles or pagans. That means people who were not Jewish and did not worship the God of Israel. The late Tim Keller in his book, The Prodigal Prophet, makes this interesting observation about Jonah. And he says that in response to the sailor's question about his identity, what he answers first is the last question that he is asked. And that question has to do with his nationality. He responds in chapter 1, verse 9. He says, I am a Hebrew. Now that is important. You see, he along with Israel had become very nationalistic and exclusivist when what God had declared was that all the nations of the world, of the earth, would be blessed through the covenant with Abraham. See, I think that it is through this filter of his nationality that he is seeing the people of this city. And I wonder if he thought, man, we're God's people. We're God's chosen people. We're Israelites. Of course we deserve mercy. But these people? No, they're wicked. They've hurt me. They've hurt us. They don't deserve God's mercy. And see, in any time that we see people through the lens of nationality or race or political standing or our own good deeds rather than the lens of God's mercy, it will keep us from being on mission with Jesus. 
And Jonah's mission was to go to Nineveh and deliver the message that God had given him. And our mission, according to Mark 16, 15, is to go into all the world and preach the good news to just the people that we like? No. To just the people that we think deserve it? No. It says preach the good news to everyone. To everyone. And to be able to do that, we got to be able to see everyone through the filter of God's mercy and grace. Not our own filter, not our own judgment on how we think God should act towards others because that's what's going on with Jonah. He has this assumption that this is how these people should be treated. And see, when we are too busy judging people, we neglect to love them. And what we are called to do is to love people. Because the truth is that none of us, not one, not even Charlie Joy, deserves God's mercy. We know that it is unmerited favor. And this is what this book, the book of Jonah, is pointing to. It's pointing to a God full of mercy. It's pointing to a God full of compassion. And perhaps for most of us, when it's saying go into all the world, we're not going to join teams like Guatemala Go or Mexico Homes of Hope. Shout out to those teams. Thank you for going. Um, But it's right where you live, in your neighborhood, I know that in my neighborhood alone, there are a few nations represented. And so what about that neighbor that you would rather avoid? What about that friend that you have no idea why you're friends and why they've entered your life in this season? If we continue to read um, in verse 3, it says that this time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. And it says, on that day, Jonah entered the city. He shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. He was preaching destruction. And it says in verse five, the people of Nineveh believed God's message and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow See, it's not the most uplifting message, right? It was judgment. And that's what Jonah wanted for the people of the city. He wanted judgment, not mercy. But to his surprise, the people heard God's message and they believed. And it says so much so, and we continue to read, it says that when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying that he stepped down from his throne and he took off his robes, his royal robes, and he dressed himself in burlap and he sat in a heap of ashes. So even the king, the one in the highest authority, it'd be like a ruler of a world admitting that they're wrong. It's kind of hard to imagine 
But he goes on to say that then the king and his nobles sent out this decree throughout the city that no one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all, people and animals alike. Like the king meant business. He's like, not, not our cattle, not, not any, all your animals. Everyone must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. Just trying to imagine a cat with like burlap, you know, or a dog and like everyone. Um, but it says that they put on their evil ways and um, they must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. So we see that something happens. They hear the message and they repent. They turn from their evil ways. They stop their violence. And I know that it's probably hard for us to see ourselves in the Ninevites, but the reality is that every single one of us, sadly, we too are prone to violence. And maybe we won't physically hurt someone, but we will send that text message that is cutting and hurtful and cause some violence in some of our friends and people. Verse 10 continues to say, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. And I love that God did not run away from Jonah and he did not run away from the people of Nineveh. So here was Jonah dealing with the people he didn't want to deal with, but that needed to be dealt with. And in verse 2 of chapter 4, Jonah is livid. And angrily, he responds to God and he says, I knew it. I knew that you were merciful and compassionate, God slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Just kill me now. He's so dramatic. But he was really upset. He almost sounds like a teenager, you know? <laughs> Just kidding, teens. I love you. <laughs> um, I was like that. That's why. Um, but he's upset. He's angry. And this is my point in telling you that. His response to God's mercy was anger. He got mad at mercy. Have you ever been mad at mercy? So how do you respond when the person or people that have wronged you receive God's mercy? Do you rejoice or do you resent? And that's a good question to ask yourself as you process this message throughout the week. See, a way that we live out mercy is to treat others better than they deserve. So today or this week, when someone wrongs you, remember the mercy that God has had toward you. And remember... You don't deserve it. None of us do. But we get to be grateful and we get to give out of what we have received. And you can judge or you can love, but you can't do both. 
So I would hope that you would choose love and not condemnation. Because reality is, if you don't start treating others better than they deserve, how will they know a God who is compassionate and full of mercy and unfailing love? Would you close your eyes right where you're at? You can bow your heads if you want. Whether you're in person or joining us online, I want to invite you to this moment of reflection. Um, And I know that this is not the easiest message to listen to. But I know that God's word, not only do we hear it, but we get to respond. And we see that the people in this story, they responded by their actions. They changed the way they were dressed. They stopped eating. And man, I really want to hear your word, God, and I want to respond. I want your mercy. And so maybe you are withholding forgiveness from someone because it's hard for you, like it was hard for me, to let go of the wrong my brother had done. It took me a while to process and to release him of the debt that I thought he owed me. And it kept me from loving him. And I'm so grateful that I was able to extend mercy to him and see God's mercy in his life. So I pray that you too would be able to experience treating others better than they deserve. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and me, that was mercy. It says that by grace we are saved. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. So I want you to help me pray for every Christian in here, every person that professes to be a believer in Jesus. Father, Forgive us when we have withheld your forgiveness from others. Forgive us when we've treated others with resentment instead of love. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring to mind and heart this week or in this moment people that we've been resenting that we should be loving that we need your help in forgiving so Lord help us to love you and to trust you in this and with everybody's eyes closed maybe you're here and maybe you've find yourself in a place where you're spiritually blind 
Maybe you've not come to faith in Jesus and to believe and put your faith in God. And today with everybody's eyes closed in the room or online, I wanna invite you if that's you and today you wanna put your faith in Jesus, that you would do that. That you would say, yes, I wanna believe in Jesus. I wanna put my faith in him. I wanna receive forgiveness for my sins. I wanna receive the mercy that God has for me. If that's you, I wanna invite you that you would look up at me so that I can agree with you that today you are receiving God's mercy, that today you're putting your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just right where you are, if that's you. Father, we thank you that you are good, that you are faithful, that your love is unfailing and your mercies are new every morning. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you. You are so good. And for the rest of us here, I want you Can you imagine if every city, every person responded the way that Nineveh did? Can you imagine how lives would change? How God's compassion would be known to everyone? So Father, thank you that we can trust you and love you today. And that we could be a people that not only receive mercy, but that rejoice when others receive your mercy too. In Jesus' name, amen.